Hey, welcome to Electric Liberty Land 219, guys. And at the top of the show, want to remind you that we have a Patreon, and it's great. Frankly, it's wonderful. You could have heard Ben Stein come out earlier. You could have seen the Lions of Liberty panel I did last week on ELL early. Video, no advertisements. And you can join that as little as $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. And also get all of our other shows, Degenerate Gamblers, the new Do Nothing Man episodes, Conspiracy Corners, and so much, much more. And also, by the way, while I'm uh, hawking stuff, don't forget to check out Bravo and Beer, which is the podcast that I do with Rico, John Odermatt of Finding Freedom, and uh, of course myself, where we break down reality television. I think we might even get into a little of that Reddit category. Uh, am I the dick? It was that <laughs> popular category. I'm always the dick, but we'll get into it. It's hilarious. It's our legion of skanks, if you will. So check that out. Bravo and Beer, anywhere podcasts are heard. And of course, check out Mark and Remza Martinez on the Second Print Comics podcast. All right, here's some ELL up in your ears. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. What up out there, my peoples, my pooples, and my popples? Popples, poople and your peoples. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. I am back uh, without any guests, and uh, I think I'm going to have a guest on next week's show, actually, if you want to tune into that. It should be an interesting program. I'm going to be talking to the author of The New Honor Code, Grant McCracken, about honor and chivalry, damn it, because, uh, you know, libertarians, I think we're the only ones that have honor anymore. So that should be an interesting chat. I know he was also... Uh, on with Reason and Nick Gillespie uh, a while ago, but, you know, I'm sure we'll get into some different stuff. But, yeah, I'm going to be trying to do a little bit more solo shows. I know you guys like those, and I've been doing a lot of interview and panel shows lately. And speaking of, I hope you did catch last week's panel with Dave Rubin, Dave Smith, and Eric Brakey. Uh, to those of you out there that are conspiracy theorists, no, idiots. I was not texting with Eric Brakey during the show. <laughs> There's like on the YouTube and I guess some people in forums are like, you know, Brian and Eric Brakey are clearly texting each other and trying to undermine. It's like, what What are you talking about? I have no dog in this fight. If anything, if I have a dog in the fight, being a guy that for the most part is a Mises caucus guy, and, uh, you know, is actively rooting for that party to succeed. And I think that's uh, probably the best way forward in a lot, a lot of ways. Why would I be siding with Eric Brakey? Not that I don't think he had a lot of great things to say. I think he had, I think really he has a very good uh, strategy and input that all needs to be brought to the table when we talk about liberty. And you guys can go back, listen to the panel. You can watch the video on YouTube, although the video, unfortunately, does not have audio correction for my mic. Now, you might notice I sound great now because I got a new microphone. As is the rule with podcasting, the moment you have a big uh, guest on or a, you know you're going to have a large audience and you're live streaming, that's when shit goes wrong. It never fails. It will continue to be the norm from now until eternity. And of course, I'm literally talking to Dave Smith. You know, we're talking about our kids. Has, he's got a daughter. I've got a daughter. Uh, chatting with Eric Brakey before, while we're waiting for Dave Rubin to pop on. And all of a sudden, Dave goes, hey, man, your uh, your audio just uh, got real low. I could barely hear you. And I'm like, what the fuck? I haven't touched anything. 
No, no chords have been hit. No audio settings have been adjusted. I just all of a sudden lose my volume on the show by like 50%. And I'm like, fuck. So I'm trying to figure this shit out, you know, and, and then Ruben's on. We're supposed to go live. So I have no choice but to dive in there. And of course, now during the show, my audio is low. So for those of you that thought it was a conspiracy that I was texting Eric Brakey, no, I was texting Mark Claire because he was like, hey, man, your mic's off. And I'm like, I know I can't fix it. It's fucked. I cannot fix it other than to turn up, you know, the gain all the way and turn the volume up all the way, which, by the way, is what happened with the uh, the epic crossover show with punk rock libertarians, which if you haven't heard that, go back, listen on Saturday. Super fun show. Really love those guys. Talked with uh, with Jared and Phil there. Had a blast. But they were like, we can't hear you. Turn your mic up so you can hear. I'm talking. It sounds like shit, even though I'm using a good microphone. Well, what was a good microphone? And you can hear crackling because the gain's just way too high. So anyway, this is the new microphone. It sounds a shitload better. Uh, thank you for all of you that said my mic sounds terrible on the YouTube. Uh, yeah, we know. Thank you for your for sharing your point of view. Not helpful. <laughs> Not helpful. Anyway. That's what happens with podcasting. But I am back and I am, uh, you can probably tell I'm sick. I've been chasing my baby around uh, who has just snot running out of her face for like seven days now. I now am sick with a sinus infection. Just fantastic. And I want to talk a little bit about that aspect of things because I don't just bring it up to wine. I did notice that in this COVID bill that just passed, right, this $1.9 trillion COVID bill, that roughly 5% of, according to a third-party estimate, uh, actually will be going towards COVID, like direct COVID expenses or COVID-related funding. You know, most of this is just utter nonsense. It's garbage that's going towards like, oh, well, let's make sure that we promote Indian-American language preservation. Let's promote, you know, X, Y, and Z, because they love to shoehorn shit into these things nonstop, and they do it every single time they have an opportunity. Now, this is, of course, underhanded garbage. The Republicans, now that a Democrat is in, uh, is in the presidency, have rediscovered fiscal conservatism. But, you know, they, they shot down all of the Republicans, basically uh, all of their alterations to the original bill, save for the $15 minimum wage, which got taken out. Basically, because it was completely irrational. It had no, no possible chance of altering things for the better in a COVID recovering economy, right, as we're still emerging from these lockdowns, to install a $15 minimum wage would have plunged us into the deepest recession we've seen in a very long time. Um, so Biden and the Democrats, other than Bernie Sanders and I think you know AOCs of the world, wisely took that out. However, for the most part, just pushed through this massive omnibus spending bill. You know, there's $350 billion or something going to bail out the blue states, which have crapped themselves to death during COVID, which forced the lockdowns, which, you know, have obviously already had budget crises or crises. You know, you look to the Illinois of the world with a, I think they have their own $300 billion pension deficit. And California is right on the heels of that with our hopefully soon to be recalled Gavin Newsom, the governor from another mother. Uh, well, for Nancy Pelosi, anyway, since he is her niece. Anyway, the thing I want to talk about primarily, though, is not only do we have this crazy, huge spending bill, but on top of that, Joe Biden 
wants to shoehorn in special favors for government workers. Now, we already know that the government considers themselves a privileged class of people, right? What goes for them doesn't apply to us. We see this with the governors and the lockdown treatments where they're going out to restaurants. They're going to French Laundry. Again, Gavin Newsom goes out to French Laundry, has an unbelievably expensive indoors affair where the bar tab alone was something like $200,000, right? They have these luxurious affairs to feed themselves for how great a job they're doing, taking away all of our basic liberties and forcing us to stay in our houses and close our businesses. Basically, do as I say, not as I do. The classic. But Joe Biden is taking that to a new level because, you know, I just noticed in my own little area here, after being shut down for basically uh, an entire year, kids are starting to go back to school. At least kids that are, I think, probably fifth grade and under. I know that they haven't approved, I think, middle schools to go back yet. They haven't approved high schools to go back yet. But I did see people walking their kids to school today as I'm walking my dogs, you know, and listening to my podcast. The only time I get some a chance to listen to these things now when I'm walking the dogs. And I couldn't help taking quite a bit of pleasure in that. Say, good, thank God. Get these fucking teachers back in school. Get these kids back in school. Stop completely ruining an generation of children who are going to grow up to be completely psychologically traumatized if they dare see the face of somebody else without a mask on and think that they were somehow going to die during this entire COVID crisis, pandemic, farce, whatever you want to call it. And also, <laughs> I couldn't help thinking about the Rodney Dangerfield movie, uh, movie uh, Back to School. You know, where he goes back, he was always like, he's a self-made guy. This has nothing to do with children, but for some reason it popped in my head, so I'm going to talk about it. But he has nothing to do with uh, with kids, but he's like a self-made guy. He was, I think, a construction magnet. And he decides he's going to go back to, he's going to go to college because his kid is in a regional school and it looks like fun. So he's going to go and learn it and get his college degree, right? And it's got him, you know, Rodney Dangerfielding it up. You know, hey, ladies, you want to come back to my place for some beers, you know? And I couldn't help thinking these kids going back to school, you know, they've been out for a year, but they're going back to the same grade level. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they haven't gone back to the same grade level. Maybe they actually tried to graduate. I mean, I don't know. Does anybody know out there? You want to tweet at me? Do the kids continue the grade level? Did they actually promote them to the next grade level? Because when I read... of children doing remote learning like this failed. That seems like an insane number. I don't see how you can pass through that number of kids to the next grade. Then again, since we have a uh, consistent push to lower the standards for grades anyway, most people would have failed in the past, you know, 10 years ago, likely have been pushed through the next level anyway, especially here in glorious union-run, democratically controlled California, where there is no bottom too low for them to hit and lower the standard to. But I thought it'd be so funny these kids going back in there. You know, they've been home. They've been you know, kind of living their own different ways. They get back like, hey, teacher, what time is lunch? I can't get no respect in here. Ah! And they're just grabbing the teacher in the ass. If only. Come on, fourth graders, step it up. But anyway, so getting back to this. Now, there's some kids going back to school. But Joe Biden now wants to give federal workers 15 weeks of paid leave if their children's schools stay closed. So not only is Joe Biden siding up to the unions, kissing ass of all these teachers' unions, you know, supporting the slow-ass rollback, and there was something like another $400 billion in this latest COVID-related bill that went towards 
funding the schools. You know, oh, we have to have a safe, slow re-entry into the schooling system, despite the fact that we know for a fact there is little to no chance of COVID transmitting within the schooling system. And if anything, every study that's come back has shown that they're one of the most safe environments for people to be in. That children rarely, if ever, can transmit this virus. Maybe when they're high school age, they can get up to a little, like, a little bit closer. But even then, if you're wearing masks, if you're taking your precautions, fine. And since 99% of the people already survive it with no problem, and we know that a CDC study just found 78% of people hospitalized for COVID were overweight or obese, we could pretty much figure out how to avoid people dying from this thing. Not to mention, get your vaccines if you like, you know, educators, then you're, you're, you're taken care of. What's the fucking problem? But no, after all this, Joe Biden wants to make sure that federal workers get 15 weeks of paid leave if their children's schools stay closed. Once again, what a double-tiered system for federal workers compared to the everyday person. You know, I'm home. I just told you, this is what I talked about my kid. I just told you I have had, and I've been working from home for a while, for a couple of years now, right? My wife works from home or used to work from home a day or two, primarily now has been working from home. She's in sales, so she can do that with Zoom calls and everything else. But our child goes to daycare. My daughter goes to daycare. It's great because we can get shit done. If she's at home, we can't get anything done. If they're closed for a holiday, we can't get any work done. She does not stop moving. Some people's kids, they'll sit on a couch. They'll watch TV. My daughter doesn't do that. She's too young to watch TV. She constantly is running around, moving things, picking things up, knocking things over, yelling. Yo, She needs constant attention. There is no way for me to work and take care of her in the same, you know, the same eight hour period. It's absolutely impossible. But I didn't get fucking 15 weeks of paid leave to take that off because I work for a small business. You know, I'm in communications. I can't do that. But these federal employees, these fucking chuds that decided, okay, well, you know, I've got nothing better to do with my life. I might as well go into government work because there's no chance of me being fired and a very low standard of hiring. Well, they get 15 goddamn weeks of paid vacation to take care of their kid because union cronies refuse to go back into a highly safe environment. It just is pathetic. It pisses me off to no goddamn end. And I have to think at some point, the average person, even if you're a Democrat, is going to wake up and say, this is some bullshit. Why should these people who already, by the way, were getting paid during these whole lockdowns, right? When they couldn't go to work, when everything was shuttered, unlike many of us, who had to take pay cuts, the government employees didn't take pay cuts. They just got the same checks that they always got. The DMV workers didn't get their, their pay cut when they sat at home, when they were uh, the DMV was shut down for six months. No, they got paid every goddamn cent. And when they're done sitting on their asses and their kids, you know, done watching their children at home because the kids' schools are closed, well, then they can just retire and take their pensions, the big fat pensions that are bankrupting everything. It's just insulting on every level, but lays bare the way in which the federal government looks at itself versus the way it looks at other people. And why, when people say that the government is for these altruistic people, they're psychopaths. They're crazy. Show me one instance where the federal government has shown altruism when it wasn't designed specifically to enhance or expand its own influence. All of these government programs that are designed to help the poor end up doing a net zero 
And if anything, they usually have detrimental results to the people they're trying to help while entrenching the federal government and a massive amount of bureaucracy into every system. It's on a state level. It's on a local level. It's on a national level. I point you again to the homeless issues in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, in Seattle. You know, it's become Homeless Incorporated. We have all these monies going towards it. 400, 500 million dollars allocated. We're taxing the shit out of large corporations that employ people. The Amazon tax that Seattle introduced. Taxing, you know, companies, I don't know, something like point, I don't know, I can't, God, what was it? It wasn't quite 10%. It was some ridiculous rate though. On every employee's salary above a certain point, if they made above whatever, you know, a billion dollars a year, but it was actually far less than that. It actually would impact companies that were small, far smaller than that. But they're taxing companies on a per-employee basis. So how dare they employ people? How dare they gainfully give people a reason to uh, to go to work, make money, go home, support their families without trying to gouge them for a government program, in this case being homelessness, rerouting that money into the bureaucracy and then having nothing to show for it? Because homelessness has gone up in every single one of these places. Poverty, drug overdoses, crime, all surging to, to brand new highs every year. The population increasing something like 10 to 15% year over year. People's property values getting screwed over because you've got homeless people taking dumps in the street year after year. But yet, the government keeps growing the programs. More tax monies keep getting funded and funneled to it. And the results never change. However, the government organization continues to hire, continues to grow, continues to enforce regulations and laws that ruin people's lives. It's just absolutely maddening. But let's go back to, uh, actually, let me, let me change topics here. Because I don't want to talk about this, uh, this COVID bill. There's not really that much more to say on it. We all knew it was going to pass. There was zero chance it wouldn't with the Democrats controlling things and having the, the tie-breaking vote. Unless a Democrat, you know, can you imagine a Democrat actually having a spine, having the balls to say, this is a bill full of garbage. This is a bill full of pork spending. This is a bill that betrays the American people. Of course not. Never. So they all voted party line straight across the way. And Kamala Harris gets to break that 50-50 tie. So we knew it was going to pass. We knew it was going to be garbage. We knew it was going to have a bunch of stimulus payments. And I didn't follow along with this that that uh, closely, but Ted Cruz, I guess, had fact-checked the fact-checkers because he was having some back and forth with a, a senator, for a Democratic senator, I think Durbin. And Ted Cruz is talking about how stimulus payments, you know, $1,400 checks would be going out to illegal immigrants. And Durbin yells out, you're a liar. They only go to people with Social Security checks, but apparently that's completely false. <laughs> so Ted Cruz was talking about how easily it was, giving specific examples, but the fawning media... Doesn't point any of that out. And the media that I've read, other than Reason, you know, Reason had a good breakdown of it. Uh, Washington Times has some good coverage uh, breaking down this actual, the actual nitty gritty of the COVID bill. But, you know, if you look at an NPR story, it just says, oh, COVID bill passes on 50% split with Democratic uh, tie-breaking vote to give people stimulus checks and bene- you know, boost out COVID and get the economy back in track. Just get, just. Not, not even mentioning the fact that hardly anything in that bill is specifically designed for COVID. That there's shit about climate change in there. That there's shit about, you know, like I said, Native American language studies, gender studies, all sorts of just nonsense, all sorts of just progressive talking point, pork barrel garbage 
that they knew they could get wrapped up in here because there is no way the Republicans could stop them without some sort of Democrat going and flying away to the other side of the coop, which we know would never happen. All right, not to belabor this too much. One more thing, just going back to the $15 minimum minimum wage. Thank God it wasn't in this bill, but I did notice something interesting, which is that Costco, my favorite place in the world, Costco, if you want to sponsor this podcast, you let me know. I'll do it. I'll do it for half price. I'll do it for a free membership. My favorite place. God, I love it. So Costco has decided it's going to raise its minimum wage to $16 an hour, which puts them above Amazon and Target. Now, yes, Costco has benefited from the arbitrary, completely non-scientific and croniest policies of local and federal governments especially when it regards to these large big box retailers that were deemed essential as mom and pop stores were deemed non-essential and forced to shut down. So Costco has benefited just as much or more than many, many other of the, the big box retailers. We know people rushed to Costco. There were lines of hundreds outside once this uh, COVID nonsense started. People buying toilet paper by as much as they could hold. Fill up the bus with fucking toilet paper because people are morons. And for some reason, think that they need to stock up because we're going to run out of fucking toilet paper uh, (laughs) if they don't go out and buy it up. Meanwhile, the only reason that we ran out of toilet paper was because they ran out and bought it up. Anyway, so Costco's raising its minimum wage to $16 an hour. That's great. That's the way it should be. That's the, this shows you the free market working. And I was you know, tweeting uh, about this and had some people on the left spectrum agree with me here. Granted, they said that they still think there should be, you know, state or regional levels of, of uh, minimum wage, which I told them was ridiculous. But this is the way it should work. Costco's making good profits. They can now afford to pay their workers good profits. Not only can they afford to pay their workers to, to retain the best employees, right? And people that work at Costco seem to be on the ball. They seem to be happy. They seem to be friendly. When I go in there or pretty much any Costco, there's a ton of people there to help me out, which is very convenient. There's also an, you know, an ample amount of registers. So sometimes at peak times, maybe you have to wait in line for more than 10 minutes. Rarely ever. You're in, you're out, you get your shit, you get it cheap. It's wonderful. It's a great example of how, how companies can work to make everybody's lives a little bit better. But at the same time, look, they're benefiting from a, a windfall, whether that is justified or not. Of course, not justified in the case of the lockdowns. But now they're actively deciding in the free market that this is something that makes sense for them as a company to do. It is a public relations win. As I said, it's a win for the workers and retaining workers in that area. And they now can assure people that they're doing the right thing by all of their people, right? So more people are going to come into Costco. They're going to view Costco as a good. Oh, Costco's got a good moral compass. They're paying the people more because they made more. Fine. Great. They did it voluntarily. They were not forced to or coerced to by the government into making this decision. Why could they do it? Again, because Costco has the money. As opposed to mom and pop stores in other regions, right? Because Costco's Costco's everywhere. Costco probably could pay people in Poughkeepsie. I always use Poughkeepsie for some reason. They could pay, well, people in Bumblefuck Nowhere, $16 an hour. That means they are going to get some of the best people working in Bumblefuck Nowhere. Do do people realize that $16 an hour in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a, a, you know, Zizix on the way to Vegas is a shitload of money because comparatively your cost of living is so paltry here in Los Angeles. $60 an hour is probably eh, decent enough. 
You know, it's not going to put your kids through college, but it's decent enough. And I've heard that Costco has very, very good benefits. But the point being, Costco can afford to pay that while people that might be running a gas station might be running a McDonald's. And and yes, I know you could argue McDonald's can pay the people more too. But the problem there is that why would they? Costco needs manual labor. They need those employees. They need to have that, you know, personal touch there. They're not going to have giant robots sliding around in their facilities because there's too much liability there, at least for now. McDonald's, should they be forced to pay $50 an hour, is going to install burger flipping robots and more bebop machines and everything else. But the point being, on a local level, on a regional level, you can't simply force people to pay $15, $16 an hour because it will bankrupt those businesses. They either will shut her down or they'll have one person manning whatever it might be because they can't afford to pay $15 an hour to 12 employees, much as we saw, uh, you know, Kroger or whatever it was. uh, I think it was Kroger. Shut down two stores in Long Beach after the regional city council forced them to raise their minimum wage by $4 an hour because they wanted to have, quote unquote, uh, what hazard pay or hero pay. The outcomes of this are always predictable when you arbitrarily influence the market. The market will find its own equilibrium, allow companies, fuck, I'm kicking trash cans, allow companies to decide on their own if they want to reward their, their employees or not, if they want to share that wealth or not. And as we've seen, even though mega corporations have shareholders and socialists will argue that they only care about the shareholders, they will in fact share that wealth because there are many other factors at play beyond simple profit. And they can foresee that maybe this is the writing on the wall, right? So they're getting ahead of the trend, but also that they will get ample buyback from people, people upping up their Costco memberships, people viewing them as a a store for good, corporate responsibility and all that jazz, and continue to shop there instead of going to other outlets or other places. There's a broader messaging that is tied into this, but again, it came voluntarily from Costco, not by government force or fiat. Okay, so uh, let me take a quick break. Tell you guys about Zippix, Z-I-P-P-I-X toothpicks.com. So Zippix toothpicks, they are fantastic. I've got one right now, a vitamin B12 and caffeine to uh, to keep me rolling here as I feel, whoa, as I go through puberty, <clears throat> as I feel like shit, but continue to press through for you guys in what surely will be a very confusing episode because I'm thinking through the brain cloud of sinus infection and fighting the pain in my cheek from the, uh, the sinus pressure. But I'm sucking on right now this B12 caffeine toothpick. These things are awesome. They help with hangovers. I, don't, I, I can't even tell you. Is it 50% hangover reduction is what I've experienced. But not only that, they also have nicotine-infused toothpicks, which are great. You can get them in two milligrams or three milligrams, eight different flavors. These things, you know, it give you that hand-to-mouth feel so you don't you know, it's like you, when you're when you're a smoker or you're a vapor or whatever it might be, you, you're always wanting that hand to mouth, right? You want to inhale. You want to have that thing rolling around and feel it. You get that same thing with the toothpicks here, and it takes care of that craving for nicotine, but without the stink, without your fingers getting all covered in, you know, yellow crap, without people giving you the side eye, without having to blow uh, big clouds of vapor in the air, all that, just don't worry about it. Throw it to the side. So check them out. Zippix Toothpicks, Z-I-P-P-I-X Toothpicks.com. Use promo code LION for 10% off of your order at the checkout. Okay, as we come back in for the second half of the show, 
I'm going to play you the clip that inspired the title episode, which is namely seeing former CIA director, known liar and murderer of children, John O. Brennan on MSNBC, saying how embarrassed he is to be a white male. So we started with Kate, Katie Benner's great new reporting about the investigation into police officer. It renders, you know, at best hypocritical, at worst cynical and false, any notion that the Republicans care about the lives and the safety of law enforcement. Well, I must say, to Claire's point, I'm increasingly embarrassed to be a white male these days. I mean, what a, <laughs> light of what I see of my other white males saying, but it, it just shows that with the with very few exceptions, like Mitt Romney, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, there are so few Republicans in Congress who value truth, honesty, and integrity, and so they'll continue to gaslight the country the way that Donald Trump did. And the fact that this has such security and safety implications for the American public and for the members of Congress, again, as Claire said, it is just a disgusting display of craven politics that really should have no place in the United States in 2021. How about that, guys? Wow. Let's just let's just go back. Right. And examine some of the things that John Brennan says are my favorite. Right. Number one, starting with how embarrassed he is about being a, a, a being a straight white male, considering all the other things that other straight white males have said lately. That's really what you're embarrassed about? You're embarrassed about the things that straight white males have said? How about being embarrassed about lying to the American public about the Obama drone program? I mean, th- none of that embarrasses you? And these this fucking piece of shit that's hosting the program just giggling along. (laughs) Yeah, you're so funny. You're so clever. As she literally sits down with a murderer of children, a man who lies. He talks about how he's embarrassed to be a white male because of other white males are saying and how people have outwardly been lying to the American populace, gaslighting the American populace, says the former director of the CIA And he goes unchallenged by anybody. This is like a panel of four people on this clip. Unchallenged by any of them. This man is a professional liar. He is a professional killer. And he has the gall to say that other people have been gaslighting and lying to the American public. I mean, in what fucking world do you have to exist where this isn't the biggest hypocrisy you have ever seen in your entire life? The man has been trained to lie and to kill. He has been trained to manipulate the media. And we have so many examples of the CIA in particular being tied in with media and establishment types. The New York Times, the Washington Post, clearly MSNBC and CNN are added onto that list. Talking about how his white maleness is embarrassing to him. He's not embarrassed about drone bombing American children and American citizens who had no trial as guaranteed by the Constitution, who had no right to habeas corpus per the Obama administration and their enemy combatant classification of these people. He had no qualms and is not embarrassed about all the innocent civilians that he murdered during these drone bombing campaigns. He has no qualms about lying about conspiracy theories to the American public for three years during the Trump administration, right? Not not while working for them, of course, 
lying about the whole Russiagate conspiracy and telling people that he knew things, that he'd seen things, that he had uh, evidence that he had seen because of classification, which Trump pulled eventually. This motherfucker comes out and tells you that he's embarrassed about being a white male on MSNBC. And they just nod along with it. And you like that little end bit? Oh, he's, oh my God, because this is such a danger. They're talking about, of course, the Capitol riots. But at the end, too, he's talking about craven politics, playing craven politics. My God, man. My God. Talk about playing politics. I mean, we literally... Just saw you lie to the American populace. You've done it your entire career. You made it your name on lying to the American populace of smoke screening them, of gaslighting them, of misleading them, of getting us into wars, of, of doing things behind the American public's back, which are blatantly illegal, which are war crimes. And now you are on MSNBC telling us how embarrassing it is that the GOP is out there saying this, that, and the other. I mean, God, I don't even know the the full context of what the GOP said. I don't really give a flying fuck. It's just so funny. The buzzwords and talking points that John O'Brennan, this elderly white guy who maybe he got ahead in the CIA based upon his white maleness. I don't know, but he's not a, he's not ashamed of that right? He's just ashamed of his white maleness because other people are saying cringeworthy things. He's not ashamed of the fact that maybe being a a white male in this industry back when he started out got him to the point where he could murder children. (laughs) That he's not embarrassed about. He's not embarrassed by the fact that maybe the CIA is dominated by white men who like to murder children of color, let's not forget. Right? Can, we, can you be embarrassed of how your white maleness enabled you to kill brown people across the entire world? How, you know, you expanded the war arenas under the Obama administration to include Somalia, to include, you know, all these sorts of different countries in West Africa in addition to the Middle East? How we've been bombing people's weddings there for years? And that, was, of course, was under your purview too, John. But no, that that aspect of his white maleness doesn't come into play here. It's just that embarrassing white males from the GOP have been saying some embarrassing things. It's just fucking unbelievable. God, what a piece of shit. But of course, we see, like I talked about, you see this asshole out here on MSNBC kowtowing and kissing progressive ass, and you see these progressives nodding along with them. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, my God. Wow. Thank God you're using the woke trigger wars that make us know that you're one of our team. You're on the uh, the allied side for good. Well, at the same time, there's a reason this asshole is on MSNBC talking about how bad the GOP is and how good everything Biden's doing and how good the Democrats are because the Democrats are manning the war machine now. Joe Biden has basically given in to the full Pentagon budget. So there's nothing happened with Joe, who, of course, bombed Syria in a quote-unquote defensive measure. Because, you know, obviously, I'm looking out my, my window right now. Where are those goddamn Syrians? Oh, they're surrounding my complex. There they are. Oh, one's climbing up my palm tree. Oh, he's just getting a coconut. You nutty Syrian, get off of my lawn! <laughs> Syrian. Syrians don't have anything to fucking do with me. Nothing in the Middle East has to do with me. Nothing's coming home to roost unless we continue to prod that beehive forever and ever and ever. That's the only time that eventually, you know, something's going to come and get you. That's how you get your 9-11s. You poke that beehive enough times, you're going to get stumped. 
But we don't learn that lesson. Joe Biden, the least of all. And of course, approves this Pentagon budget. You know, in the in the trillions, the last one, I think the last one was 1.2 trillion, which Donald Trump, to his great shame, had expanded because Donald Trump, he did, even though he didn't start any new wars, he certainly expanded the uh, the Pentagon's budget. He certainly gave them all sorts of new monies to spend on God knows what failed projects. The F-35 is a nightmare plane that doesn't goddamn work. But Joe Biden is very content to allow that to continue. And even though there's some talk about reigning in the war powers, right? This is what all the liberal uh, press want to talk about. And I'm all for that, obviously. We'll see if it actually happens. Because Joe Biden has proved himself to be a very, very large ally to the military-industrial complex. He is a, uh, a very large ally to the powers that be, to the deep state, clearly. And John Brennan's functioning as just, you know, Greasing those skids, as they always have and always, they always will. One thing I thought was kind of interesting tying into this topic, too, was that we know that big tech governs what you can say and can't say on the Internet, as of right now, anyway, right? However, I didn't realize that Twitter had become such a tool of the war establishment left that you could no longer talk about NATO negatively, lest you be banned. Twitter announced bans on, this is from, uh, I'm reading lewrockwell.com, but I have a couple of different articles on this one. But 373 accounts were banned because they were connected to, quote, state-linked information operations, right? So how does Twitter know that, by the way? Since when did Twitter start to know where fucking Twitter accounts were created by Russians or North Koreans. What technology do they have? Are they using CrowdStrike? Are they using the same CAA technology that uh, can tell when people are putting fake fingerprints or not on it? I mean, this is so insane. Twitter now knows where people are coming from. They know when government-funded hackers and Twitter accounts are being created. Please, Twitter, tell me how. Anyway, some of them, the company said, amplified narratives that were aligned with the Russian government. Okay, again, I don't, I don't see a, a narrative aligned with the Russian government undermining faith in NATO. As I said, are, quote, focused on undermining faith in the NATO alliance and its stability. The NATO alliance is outdated and a complete waste of fucking money. There's no reason we should still be in NATO in any way, shape or form other than to provoke Russia or provoke other people in that sphere. It doesn't behoove us to stay in it. Otherwise, I mean, the only reason I could consider us staying in that is because we're getting paid out by uh, local governments to have troops there. I don't know. To, to do arms deals? Like, even then, I think we're losing hundreds of billions of dollars a year with no tangible benefit. These countries should be paying for their own fucking defense. It's, you know, we're far enough removed from World War II, guys. I don't think we have to concern ourselves with it, especially when it's considering checking other nuclear-armed powers that clearly are not going to do anything major because we would simply end all existence on the planet. I mean, what the fuck do we need NATO for? That we have to ban people's accounts on Twitter for daring to question whether or not it makes sense. But this all ties into what I was talking about. This broader military-industrial complex, deep state control of big tech, of left-leaning media, well, basically all media, since virtually all media is left-leaning, 
that simply parrot these talking points that are instilling this new world order. I mean, NATO is, in fact, a step towards the UN model, the new world order, the Great Reset, world government, etc. So maybe that's the end game. Maybe that's Twitter's jumping on board with that because to undermine NATO undermines one of the pillars of this new world order, of this world government system that they want so badly to put into place. But in the meantime, it just looks like to me that you've got useful idiots that are more than willing to go along with the John O'Brennans of the world and their messaging, which clearly is designed simply to emphasize and empower the deep state, keep that money flowing their way to the detriment of every American citizen that doesn't have their head up their ass. Ah, okay, I'm getting a little sore-throated here, so I'm going to uh, go out in a couple idiots of the week. We used to be four ordinary teenagers. Until one day, we met some new friends from out of town. They were called Dinosaucers. My friends and I became the secret scouts, allies to these dinosaurs from outer space, and joined in their battles against Genghis Rex and the evil Tyrannos. Ah, oh, shit, what was that, dinosaurs? That's not... <laughs> no, I, I meant to play it. That's my version of Rick Rolling, guys. Fucking remember that show? Oh, love that show, dinosaurs. Okay, now here's the, here's the real intro, and then we'll get into some ideas of the week. No reason or sanity to be found. Idiots and assholes all around. When stupidity is at its peak, it's the idiot of the week. Big shout out to Josh Anderson for that, as always. So, two idiots of the week. First, a man that I've already mentioned, Gavin Newsom, who has proposed a bill. Well, actually, I can't blame Gavin Newsom for this one. Two uh, assembly members, Evan Lowe and Christina Garcia, have proposed a bill that would require stores to have one unisex section for children's products and apparel. And if they don't comply they fine a store $1,000. Now, fundamentally, you look at this and you go, why? Who cares? Who could possibly care about this enough to write a bill about it? Of course, these people argue that Poor trans children or children that don't know anything uh, are, are not decided on their gender identity, which, by the way, Rand Paul, Paul Luss to Rand Paul, uh, ripping apart Biden's uh, nominee for assistant health secretary, Rachel Levine, who, of course, is a trans, uh, you know, formerly a man and had transitioned, I think, late in life after having children. But Rand Paul is questioning her on the stand about whether or not they should be giving and what the Biden administration's stance on giving life-altering hormones to children was, and you could not be more frustrated with the answer. So here's another idiot of the week. Listen to this real quick, and then I'll get back to this, uh, (laughs) this store issue. American culture is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Like surgical mutilation, hormonal interruption of puberty can permanently alter and prevent secondary sexual characteristics. 
The American College of Pediatricians reports that 80 to 95% of prepubertal children with gender dysphoria will experience resolution by late adolescence if not exposed to medical intervention and social affirmation. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I would look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender yeah, medicine. The specific question was about minors. Let's be a little more specific since you evaded the question. Do you support the government intervening to override the parent's consent to give a child puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and or amputation surgery of breasts and genitalia? You have said that you're willing to accelerate the protocols for street kids. I'm alarmed that poor kids with no parents who are homeless and distraught, you would just go through this and allow that to happen to a minor. I would hope that you would have compassion for Kira Bell, who's a 23-year-old girl who was confused with her identity. At 14, she read on the internet about something about transsexuals. She thought, well, maybe that's what I am. She ended up getting these puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones. She had her breasts amputated. But here's what ultimately she says now. And this is a very insightful from decision from someone who made a mistake but was led to believe this was a good thing by the medical community. I made a brash decision as a teenager, as a lot of teenagers do, trying to find confidence and happiness, except now the rest of my life will be negatively affected, she said, adding that the medicalized gender transitioning was a very temporary, superficial fix for a very complex identity issue. What I'm alarmed at is that you're not willing to say absolutely minors shouldn't be making decisions to amputate their breast or to amputate their genitalia. For most of our history, we believe that minors don't have full rights and the parents need to be involved. So I'm alarmed that you won't say with certainty that minors should not have the ability to make the decision to take hormones that will affect them for the rest of their life. Will you make a more firm decision on whether or not minors should be involved in these decisions? Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field. Uh, and if confirmed to the position of Assistant Secretary of Health, I would certainly be pleased to come to your office and talk with you and your staff about the standards of care and the complexity of this field. Wow, what a piece of shit. Did you hear that? Oh, let me just repeat the exact same thing, not answer the question a second time. And basically, I mean, if that doesn't confirm that the Biden administration and this woman's take is that they will 100% be for the unalterable hormone uh, recommending uh, genital mutilation slash alteration, uh, irretrievably altering the physical looks, the ability to have children, etc., of minors and starting at a very young age. I don't know what does. I mean, refusing to answer a very straightforward and very important question tells you everything you need to know. Now, I've talked about my opinion on this before. I think that it is a horrible idea to give children hormones that can change them, especially when you see studies coming back that are easily found, by the way, talking about how many, many children that identify as gender dysphoric tend to 
I mean, actually, the predominant amount of them, I think something like 70% of them, actually end up just simply being gay or lesbian, right? They do not want to transition later in life after they've achieved puberty. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a person of the population that, in fact, does have a, a gender dysphoria specific that maybe they are happier transitioning, but I don't think that they can decide that as a minor. I think once you don't even know whether or not you want to play with a My Little Pony or a G.I. Joe, not for gender reasons, just because you're a child that doesn't know any better, or you don't know how to properly eat a pomegranate, you probably shouldn't be making life-altering decisions that cannot be reversed based upon sexual preference or sexual identification. I think it's perverse. I think it's sick. And like anything, I think there's a lot of money pushing this forward that probably doesn't have the best interests of these children in mind. But of course, the woke ideology says you can't challenge this, you can't question it. No matter how much empirical data you might have, you cannot simply raise a very logical, legitimate question of should children get these without people telling you that you're a demon and without clowns like Rachel Levine avoiding the question. This is, I mean... <laughs> It's hard to imagine a better example of woke leftism and how they simply will not discuss things that they know do not reflect well upon them. This comes with anything revolving race, revol involving the programs that they put in, involving the uh, results of the programs, like I was talking about earlier, that they put into place. Because if you dare to mention anything about this, well, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a transphobe, rather than, no, 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 I'm totally fine. If you want to be trans, be trans. But don't force your lifestyle on children that don't know any better. Okay, getting back to this, this situation, though, this idiotic California bill. It's just so utterly nonsensical to force stores into making this unisex. What benefit can it possibly have other than for 0.001% of the population to feel more comfortable going into a store and looking at clothes? Now, I can understand the position with the bathrooms where they say, well, to go into a bathroom, you know, if you're dressed as a woman and a man and there's violence and beating up, even though I think those are vastly overpronounced. And I think that uh, more often than not, most people would just say, oh, that's weird and just not even bother with it. Or because of all the messaging, it just be like, okay, well, whatever. That is what it is. That, you know, that's a, a, a trans person pissing next to me, whatever. I get that far more than the argument that somehow this is so psychologically traumatizing or that there is somehow violence that would be associated with having children's clothing in two different sections according to male and female. Because number one, if you are a child and you don't quite know or maybe you identify the other way, well, you're going in with your parent. Your parent's going to take care of it. They're going to protect you. Go and pick your clothes out. I doubt anybody will say anything to you at all. And even so, you know what? If they say something, the proprietor of that store can tell them to get out and ban them or, or, or enforce their own level of free market, private property rules. No, don't disrespect other customers in my store. There you go. On the next level, if you force stores to completely combine all of the goddamn clothing into one grouping, you're going to make life infinitely more difficult for parents that don't have transgender, gender dysphoric kids that don't know what which way they're going to fall or might want to go the other way. The vast majority of us, you know, 99% of the people out there whose children are definitively male or female, well, they just want to be able to go into a store 
and walk into the section for their little boy or for their little girl without having to pick through every goddamn rack to figure out what the fuck they're doing. Is the next step now to make sure that the sizes are going to be all the same for males and females? Because you know that's coming. Because then... Well, if you're going through, even though that's all unisex, even though it's in the same section, well, I can still tell the difference because this one says female size six and that one says male size eight. Oh my God. Won't somebody think of the children? I mean, this is woke retardation. I know you're not supposed to use that phrase anymore, but what, what else do you call this? This is going backwards. This is the devolution of society to make it, I mean, approachable to whom? You are literally making life far more difficult for 99% of the population for no good reason at all. Just to get some points to score woke points with who? The 0.01% of the trans population voting for you? Because again, like I said earlier, I have to think even Democrats look at this and go, what the fuck are you talking about? Why? You got elected to this position. We have all these in California, a city or a state with ample problems from coast to, you know, from the top where Sacramento is, right? I mean, Sacramento is not even really at the top, but all up and down the California coast, Sacramento's in the middle. <laughs> in case people are wondering, that's why I stopped myself. That sounds too stupid. Uh, from the top of California to the bottom, there are so many problems with costs of living, with homelessness, with travel, with temperature, with wildfires. This is what these people are focusing their time on. Let's mush together the boys and girls sections in, in Target. I mean, it's so profoundly stupid. It's unbelievable that somebody could have put it on paper, read through it, spell checked it, and then actually gone through with submitting it. Okay, and the last one, guys, where we're going to end up this show is something that gave me a good chuckle. This story is a little old. And again, you know, this is what happens when I don't get to do a show for a while as I, I kind of accrue stuff that's a little old and go back. But Stevie Wonder said that he's going to move to Ghana to, quote, protect his kids from injustice. That's racial injustice, of course, because, you know, millionaire black men clearly have to move their children to Ghana. Now, Ghana... I've never been. Ghana, I'm sure, is on uh, probably on the more developed side of the African nations. But I just couldn't help laughing because you've got a guy that had so much success, millions and millions of dollars. And maybe, you know, if he had said, I'm moving to Ghana to help grow that economy because that's where my family's from. I want my children to see what it's like to grow up in a different environment. I want to give back from what I've got. Any of those things would have been reasonably acceptable. To, to go to Ghana to, quote, protect kids from injustice is just so unbelievably ignorant as far as, Stevie, you grew up in America, right? You're blind. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's told you, you're, you're not a, a man who can say. <laughs> and you grew up here. You clearly got an education. Uh, you clearly learned how to play the piano pretty goddamn well. You clearly found success to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. You clearly have had adoration from every part of the racial spectrum to the point where nobody will tell you that your hair looks fucking terrible. Cut your hair. It looks awful. Your, your dreadlocks are basically coming off the back of your head. Now, you look like the predator 
But no one will tell you because you're so beloved, Stevie. And yet you somehow think that you're going to protect your children from injustice. Let me just ask you, Stevie, what was the survival rate of blind children in Ghana in 1950, you know, when you were born? What was the survival rate of that? What was their success rate? How was their schooling? How did that work out for blind children in Ghana? Did they have a lot of success? Did they have a lot of support? Did they have a lot of help there to get those children to school, to help them succeed, to teach them piano, to help them along their way with special programs that they could become successful? Did they have people that looked out in the industry to help promote a blind kid, to give him uh, ample playing time, to make sure that the crowds knew about him, to make sure that he had tours, to make sure that he was, had his music dispersed to the masses? Are there a lot of blind musicians in Ghana that have really hit it big? Because I'm betting I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there probably aren't. I'm going to say that probably if you were a blind child in Ghana in the 1950s, your chances of dying were probably pretty good. Your chances of people just simply bashing your head against the rock had to have been somewhere in there because the people in Ghana in the 1950s probably didn't have the highest standard of living compared to the United States anyway. And maybe you would have been far more of a burden on a family than you would have been a boon without all sorts of supplementary bolstering forces like we've gotten in the United States. But, you know, tell me again how you're going to have to protect your kids from injustice and, and moving to Ghana is the best way to do that. Way to help out, by the way. If it's so bad here, wouldn't you want to help out for other American children? You know, maybe try to change things here with the millions of dollars in fame that you've accrued. Nah, not Stevie Wonder. Well, adios, Stevie. I'm waving goodbye to you, but you can't see me do it. Anyway, guys, that's going to wrap up Electric Liberty Land for this episode. Thank you for joining me. But before we leave you, I want to tell you about a guy that I am very fond of, Tyler Colford, a.k.a. Crypto Man. He has an awesome song called Hashtag Free Ross, all about Ross Ulbricht, all the proceeds from this song. I'm going to play you a quick snippet of before I take you out. But all of those proceeds go to Free Ross, for the Free Ross the project, to helping him get out of jail for basically a victimless crime of having the, the audacity to run a server to allow people to interchange goods without government oversight and for things they happen to frown upon. So let's give him three life sentences. Absolute madness. And also, you're going to be able to hear him on another track that he is actually uh, collaborating on called First World Problems. It is a track from Intrinsic, and that's going to be coming out very soon. I'll keep you posted on that, guys. All right, here's a little clip from Free Ross, and then I'll take you out full. Ross Albrecht is serving two consecutive life sentences plus 40 years for creating a means for individuals to anonymously make online exchanges using Bitcoin. His actions did not create victims. For nothing more than creating a marketplace, the government locked him up and threw away the keys. Let's get Ross pardoned and get victimless crimes off of the books. Hashtag free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. Smoke crazy. 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 
These are perilous times when they ruin your lives over victimless crimes and they sever your ties from your business loved ones. And Hashtag free Ross, guys. Thanks for joining me on Electric Liberty Land. Remember, flagship show every Monday with Mark Claire. We've got Finding Freedom with John Odermatt every Friday where he's talking about finding your freedom from the criminal justice system or just economically or just in general. And, of course, me on Electric Liberty Land. So, guys, from me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into liberty.